should hear the things that she says. She says, hon, drop dead, I'd rather go to bed with Gabriel Garcia Marquez. <laughs> Cuddle up with Robertson Davies, leave on the light for Jane Rule. I've been flirting with Pia Burton, and Pia Burton's no fool. I like to go out dancing, my baby loves a bunch of authors. My heart's a broken, bleeding, baby just sitting there, doing some reading. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Mirror Factory. The Mirror Factory is a literary podcast featuring favorite passages from fiction and a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your foreman, Max Romero. Today, we're welcoming a very special guest, our first guest on The Mirror Factory, Dr. Ange. Ange runs the Supergirl Comic Box commentary blog and is a friend of the network. Welcome to The Factory, Ange. Hey, thanks so much for inviting me. Um, I you know, heard all of the promotions for this show, and I think it's just fantastic. Um, as somebody that has quotes from many places that I pull out now and then, this seems like uh, right up my alley. Oh, that's great. So, Angela, you were very enthusiastic when you contacted me, and especially considering what book you want to talk about. So why don't you tell us what you'll be reading from today? Yeah, you know, in fact, I, I was afraid it would be like a little bit too on point, but I'm actually going to be reading a passage from The Fellowship of the Ring. I know, like, you know, the first show will be about Tolkien, right? I guess it's not a, you know, it's a, um, I guess it's a well-traveled path for uh, nerds and geeks. But the truth is that I, um, you know, read the trilogy um, probably when I was about 15 or 16 for the first time, and I've read it probably every, you know, four to five years. I pick it up again and I read it through. And the first time I uh, read it through, I was struck with the fact that despite all of the mischief that he causes, somehow um, Frodo and Sam don't murder Gollum on their way into Mordor. <laughs> um, because, you know, he is always causing a lot of noise and tricks Frodo to go into Shelob's lair and, and really seems more like a pest. I constantly was saying, like, I just don't understand why they just don't off him. And then, of course, at the end, spoiler alert, you know, he bites the ring off of Frodo's hand uh, and then ultimately falls into Mount Doom. And so he is the person that kind of saves the world in a way. And so when I read it through that first time when I was about 15 or 16, I was like, oh, my God, I probably would have screwed Middle Earth over, right? I would have killed him early. Um, and then Frodo would have put on the ring and gone evil. And then Sauron would have reclaimed the ring. And then everything is lost. And so my haste to kill him uh, could have doomed everybody. So then, you know, fast forward like four or five years, I'm now like, uh, you know, the end of college or the beginning of medical school. And I decide I'm going to read it again. And smack dab uh, in the second chapter of Fellowship of the Ring, this is the passage I'm going to read, is a conversation between Gandalf and Frodo where Gandalf says, you know, uh, it took tremendous mercy and pity for Bilbo not to kill Gollum because Frodo's like, we should have just killed Gollum even back in The Hobbit. And Gandalf says, I have a sense that the fate of the ring is tied up with Gollum, and, uh, and we're going to see how this all bears out. It's probably going to save you, Frodo. And so I was just always amazed when I read it that Tolkien kind of foreshadows the end of this trilogy, which is whatever, 1,500 pages, you know, within the first 100 pages. In the second chapter of the first book, he kind of gives you a hook that if you are smart enough to read uh, and to keep that tucked away in your memory, you'll see pay out. Now, the amusing thing about this, Max, is that, you know, as I then continue to read the trilogy this second time, despite having read those paragraphs and being so struck by it, I still was thinking like, oh, my God, I would have just killed Gollum here. <laughs> right. Right. And so even though 
I know how the book ends. Even though I hear Gandalf talk about how mercy and pity is so important, I probably would have messed up again. And, and it's just now become sort of like a running joke. Every time I pick up the trilogy and read it again, I'm like, oh, this is where I would probably have killed Gollum. And I probably would have screwed us all over. So I was just very struck by those two things. One, it's a really powerful passage talking about how it's very easy to, to you know, deal out death and judgment. And do you really want to have that on your soul? And, you know, there's always room for redemption. So it's powerful from that point of view. But I also thought it was incredibly powerful just from the fact that it happens so early in the book, uh, in the trilogy, and really is a foreshadowing of the ending. I think that's one of the things that's really kind of impressive about this passage, because just to set the scene, this is pretty early in Fellowship. And essentially, Gandalf has, has given the ring to Frodo and been gone for nine years and suddenly shows up at his door after this long absence to essentially kind of check on Frodo and see how he's doing. And like you said, you know, all this is foreshadowing of, of how important, what a linchpin Gollum is going to be in how this whole story is resolved. And it's, it is a dense trilogy. I mean, none of these books are, are necessarily easy reading. And one thing that I like about him so much myself is how, how much you're rewarded for rereading. Just recently, I was, um, actually for this show, I was rereading the, the section that you're going to be reading from. And I guess I had never really noticed that Gandalf tells Frodo that part of the reason Bilbo was able to carry the ring for so long and not be more corrupted than he was, was because of that moment of mercy. And, yeah. I, and I, I just think that's, that's uh, as you said, that's a very powerful message that will wind its way through this entire trilogy. Yeah, you know, this is the point where Gandalf has shown up and said, I think the Shire is in danger because Gollum had been captured by Sauron and tortured and then ultimately released and probably said the name Baggins and probably used the words the Shire. And so the Nazgul and the troops of Mordor may be showing up here. We have to leave. And that's when Frodo says, I can't believe this, right? You know, like my city, my people are in danger. And that never would have happened if Frodo hadn't just killed him, right? So it sort of calls back to the Hobbit. Um, and that's where this whole passage comes from, that Frodo is now suddenly faced with, you know, his own mortality and the concern for his uh, his people and, and the Shire. And that could have, you know, that worry would be gone if Gollum was gone. But as you say, there's so much more to happen. Right. So you know, what was it about this passage that, that grabbed you so much? What was it do you think that, not, not that you overlooked it, but that it didn't have that impact on you the first time, but then later on it did? Yeah, you know, I think that it's one of those things. Like you say, it's a dense read. I read it when I was like 15 or 16, right? Parts you're like, oh my God, another song, right? Or <laughs> hundreds of, you know, hundreds of pages describing the swamp that they're walking through. We get it. They're oh, walking through a swamp, right? All that walking, so, it, it killed me the yeah, first time. <laughs> so you, yeah, you can kind of glaze over a little bit. And for me, you know, this was kind of like the setup, right? Like I want to get to the fact that the fellowship is together and they're like attacking orcs, right? I was 15. I was, I was looking for the action. So you kind of were like, okay, I have to get through this beginning part um to sort of like set the stage and right. i think it just kind of washed over me that's um, so different from the hobbit if you started with with the hobbit yeah mm. yeah the hobbit's like a kid's book you know i right. read that to my 10 year old and so uh what got me was that again like as i was reading that i didn't know the ending i know it's crazy to think that right but when i was reading it the first time i didn't know how this book ended and so it really struck me that throughout this whole thing i'm saying like ugh. After he sets up Frodo with Shelob, it's time to kill him, right? He just can't live anymore. And then, of course, he saves the day. And so when I read it the next time, you know, there's this thing that says, 
you know, many people deserve to die. Even Gandalf says he deserves to die, but I don't want to be the one to do that because maybe he can still be saved, right? It's right. very easy to, you know, kill people in judgment. And that's a powerful, you know, that, you know, I, you know, I was a good kid. I was raised by a good family. You know, I, I, I was raised Catholic, you know, I'm Catholic. And so there's all of that sort of feelings about how, like, you know, you should, you know, love the sinner, you know, and try to help them. And I think specifically just because I was like, I would have offed him so much that when you read this, <laughs> this, this passage that it was like, oh, my God, like now I see Gandalf was warning me as a reader, like, you know, uh, or, you know, Tolkien was warning me as a reader that this is how you should sort of approach this problem. And so when I read it that second time, I was like, wow, you know, it's just really important. And, it, you know, you can even throughout, you know, Sam is tempted to kill him throughout these books. And Frodo is the one that has to say sometimes like, you know, no, I pity him now because I know what he's gone through. The weight of the ring has affected me as well. So I just thought that it was, it's just, it's a great message, right? And it's just tucked away, as you say, in the scene inside, you know, Frodo's home before the action even starts. And so I think it's pretty easy to just, you know, roll by unless you're looking for it. Yeah, it's it's really impressive how that, how how Tolkien just kind of, like you said, just folded that in there. And it's what, it's a few paragraphs? Yeah. And, but it's, in a way, it's the spine that the whole story is supported by. Gandalf uses two words in in this section. He uses mercy and he uses pity. Why do you think Tolkien decided to use both of those words? Yeah, I think that uh, you can look upon uh, Gollum with pity because of this, like, twisted, horrible creature that he's become. And uh, you could say, I am doing him mercy by killing him, right? That he's probably in so much pain. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that the two things that are, um, one of it is that, you can feel pity for the person who has suffered all of this. And you might not have suffered suffered that. But then I think mercy is just trying to sort of take that pity and then forgive the person. I don't know if I'm making much sense here. Sure. To sort of say, I'm going to try to help you in some way and ease your pain. I, I can't empathize with you, but I can sympathize with you. I can pity you in that way. And I can show you mercy to try to help, I think is probably the two things that he means. Mm-hmm. And so you, you're, a, you're a doctor in your day-to-day life. Yeah. Right? How does this concept of, of mercy and pity resonate with you now as a professional uh, health caregiver compared to how when you read it as a child? Wow, uh, that's a great question. So I'll tell you that, you know, one of the things that ha- I work in an emergency department. And so one of the things that comes in front of me um, a lot are chronically ill people that have um, suffered something acute and uh, are much worse off. And... Uh, I feel pity for their families and things like that as they sort of struggle with these medically complicated uh, children who um, who they're trying to shepherd through as great a life as they possibly can. Uh, pity is, a, is maybe a tough word because that I'm not looking down at them in any way. I'm amazed by them. And so I, I almost wish that there was a point that I could like, e- you know, maybe this is the mercy part that I wish that I could ease a little bit of, you know, you can just see that so much of their own lives are, are um, invested in caring for their chronically ill family member that um, that I always try to keep that in the back of my mind, that I'm always trying to say to myself, you know, those those are tough shoes to walk in and anything that I can do to help them specifically from a medical point of view, I'm going to try to do. Um, so maybe that's it. Maybe it's that there's one thing to say like, Oh, I'm a 15 year old kid and I'll show mercy by, you know, however I can do that in these acute care settings, when something dramatic is happening, 
the best thing that I can do for them is to help the patient and the family as a unit any way that I can. You had mentioned that you reread the trilogy on a fairly regular basis, I guess. When was the last time you reread it? Yeah, I would say it was probably maybe around like 2014, I would say. It's probably sort of do like I do. I read uh, the trilogy probably every five to four to six years, I would say. I'm also really into Dune, Mm -hmm. but I find that the Dune series of books kind of like drop off rather precipitously in their quality. (laughs) So I reread the first Dune book probably, you know, every three years or so, kind of uh, because I love that book so much. And then occasionally I'll read like Dune Messiah. Uh, I usually don't read the other ones after that. Um, (laughs) But this is a pretty good, you know. There are times that I just say, like, you know what, I think it's time to reread it. And it seems Mm -hmm. to happen, like, between presidential elections, maybe. Right. But I I can tell you, for uh, my own experience, every time I read it, I get something new out of it. Is that something that that happens with you? Yeah. Yeah. And I think every time I read it, you know, I think that it's almost like, you know, you learned about the Revolutionary War in elementary school, you learned about it in high school, and you may have learned about it in college, right? And every time you you learned, you're like, oh, I un- I'm going in with a better understanding, mm-hmm. so that now I can pick up on the details. And so I think that that's true with this. As you say, it's very dense. It's very historical in many ways. And so I think that you go in, uh, or for me, I go in every time saying, I have a better understanding of this world as a whole. And so now things that I may not have picked up on when I read it last, because it was a tiny detail enmeshed in history. History, I now have a better understanding. The the knife that that the Nazgul's uh, you know heel is struck with uh, when Eowyn uh, ultimately kills him is a knife that was specifically meant to kill that king when he was alive, right? And I think the first time I read it, I just didn't even con- understand that concept. And then you kind of like get all of these details that sort of enrich the whole experience, right? Yeah, it <laughs> it really is like a, a history. It's amazing how much Tolkien put into it. Yeah, I mean, it's just a tremendous gosh is mind right and even things like you know I've, I've tried i know that i'm probably going to like destroy my geek cred here i've tried to read the silmarillion i've actually mm-hmm. never made it through <laughs> um, but you sort of say like you know um he had tens of thousands of years of history and lineage and language like all in his head like just amazing right and to get back to the passage that we're talking about to be able to just also as an author as someone who's telling a story to be able to just kind of drop that in really kind of masterfully while also using all this history that he's come up with is kind of remarkable. That's why, I mean, this, it's funny. Like you, you think about this book, like there are so many passages that, that we could talk about or so many moments that we could talk about, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, I easily could have picked the Eowyn speech because I love that speech, you know, I'm no man, but this is the one that always like when you said, Hey, I'm doing it. And there are passages, you know, if you have a passage that has struck you, this was the first one that came to mind without a doubt. Well, great. Well, let's, unless you have something to add, let's get to it. All right. Okay. Get ready for my reading, okay? All right. We'll take a short promo break, and then we'll come back with a passage from J.R.R. Tolkien's The Fellowship of the Ring. Afternoon, everybody. Ryan! How's that baby treating you, Mr. Daly? Like Thanos, snapping his fingers at my bank account. In that case, how about a beer on the house? Sure. Got to give my mouth something to do between podcasts. Say, Ryan, I don't get how you have so much time for podcasting. Doesn't your wife want you spending time with the baby? Would you? Truth is, I think she's a little worried about how much time I'm spending with the kid, ever since his first words were Dagobah system. Now she wants me to go out and do something mature, something productive, and most of all, something lucrative that can support the family. So you're going to... Podcast about Cheers, yeah. 
That kid's not going to start college for 18 years. I got time. (laughs) Cheerscast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. Coming soon to the Fire and Water Network. From the Fellowship of the Ring by J.R.R. Tolkien. But this is terrible, cried Frodo, far worse than the worst I imagined from your hints and warnings. Oh, Gandalf, best of friends, what am I to do? For now I am really afraid. What am I to do? Oh, what a pity that Bilbo did not stab that vile creature when he had the chance. Pity? It was pity that stayed his hand. Pity and mercy, not to strike without need. And he has been well rewarded, Frodo. Be sure that he took so little hurt from the evil and escaped in the end because he began his ownership of the ring so, with pity. I am sorry, said Frodo, but I am frightened, and I do not feel any pity for Gollum. You have not seen him, Gandalf broke in. No, and I don't want to, said Frodo. I can't understand you. Do you mean to say that you and the elves have let him live on after all those horrible deeds? Now, at any rate, he is as bad as an orc and just an enemy. He deserves death. Deserves it? I dare say he does. Many that live deserve death, and some that die deserve life. Can you give it to them? Then do not be too eager to deal out death and judgment, for even the very wise cannot see all ends. I have not much hope that Gollum can be cured before he dies, but there is a chance of it, and he is bound up with the fate of the ring. My heart tells me, that he has some part to play yet, for good or ill, before the end. And when that comes, the pity of Bilbo may rule the fate of many, yours not least. We'd like to thank Ange for being a guest here on the Mirror Factory. If you'd like to leave a comment, you can do that at fireandwaterpodcast.com. And if you'd like to be a guest on the Mirror Factory, contact me at mirrorfactorypodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter at Factory Mirror or at the Mirror Factory on Facebook. The Mirror Factory is a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Thanks for listening, and until next time, read a book. But Gollum at the evil wall. Slipped away